Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. Welcome back to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas. Has 2020 really overwhelmed you? Has it challenged your resilience and your ability to cope? Have you felt down about yourself? Well, no wonder, because it's been a really hard time. In this episode, I speak with leadership coach Katie Murray about power practices to use to get us through hard times, to beat the overwhelm and to enable us to step up without burning out. We talk about finding passion and joy as well as growing from painful experiences. I also challenge Katie, a little bit left field, about finding play within her own work life. So stay with us to the end for some inspired conversations and food for thought. Katie Murray is a leadership coach, inclusion consultant, facilitator, speaker, and recently named one of the top UK diversity and inclusion leaders for 2020 by Hive Learning. She leads Catalyst Collective, which is a boutique consultancy focusing on equity, inclusion, and diversity. She coaches change-making leaders and entrepreneurs one-to-one and leads the mastermind change, Making Women. She lives in the UK's Lake District, although she has spent most of 2020 on Zoom. So welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast, Katie. I'm so pleased to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. We've been having a a really nice conversation just starting here, thinking a bit about how it's been in the last few months and musing around how our self-care now as, as practitioners has been more important than ever. So I hope that we were going to touch upon that a bit more in our conversation. But before we do, let's just hear a bit more about your story. Tell me who you serve and why, and a little bit about how you found the passion and purpose in the work that you do. Yeah, thanks, Michaela. So I work with women leaders and entrepreneurs, and I use the expression change makers. So people that are passionate about making a difference in the world. So that's a lot of activists, but also people leading their own businesses and people leading inside different organizations. And the theme probably that runs through all of that is a space for those individuals to flourish. And then what's the impact they want to make in their own sphere of influence and yeah, some of that systemic change that they're part of as well, the change that they want to see in the world. That's what I'm really passionate about. And what brought you to creating Katie Catalyst as a, as a brand? Well, you know, what does that word catalyst stand for in, in your world? Mm, for me, that word catalyst. So the story actually started in my early 20s when I just needed an email name. You know, when we try and find an, an original name for our emails and Katie Catalyst came from somewhere and that was like my hotmail email when I was in my early 20s. And then Katie Catalyst seemed to work as I'm someone who wants to bring about change and that sense of being a change maker. So that that word catalyst really stayed with me from quite a young age. Mm, and that's also your uh, your Instagram handle for anyone who wants to follow you yes, and see all the, all the inspiring work that you do. So, so that makes me really think about your phrase of stepping up without burning out. What, what do you mean by that, Katie? What, what could you teach the listeners about stepping up without burning out? 
Yeah, this is a biggie for me. So when we want to engage with the world and we want to bring about a change, when we're leading other people, it's demanding, isn't it? It, it requires us to stretch ourselves and, and step into more of who we are, stepping up, perhaps into might not necessarily be a, a different hierarchical position of leadership, but it's stepping up in terms of here I am, I'm here, I want to do something about this, I'm going to use my voice, or I'm going to use my action, I'm going to lead others with regard to this issue that I care about. And I've been alongside so many passionate and purpose-driven leaders over the years. I've worked in 35 countries over the years, and I think there's now, I counted recently, there's, there's over a thousand leaders that I've worked alongside over now 20 years. And there's so much passion and purpose, but also that burnout piece is really, really common. So there's something for me about how do we step into all we can be and extend our capacity for that, but without experiencing the negative impact of, of overstretching ourselves. And that burnout can be a really ugly place, as we know, and a, and a really um, damaging and painful place. Mm. It's almost uh, what well, I often use the phrase of burning bright without burning out or, right. you know, being able to sort of step into that purpose and passion but without you know and using your potential but doing so without doing it at your own detriment and that can be really hard for some of these very passionate thought leaders and I'm sure you've you've walked alongside and what what do you see as kind of early warning signs in in those leaders that they are on the verge of burning out yeah and of course this is also about ourselves isn't it so so this is an experience that that I've had so many times myself of actually where are my limitations here that I have big ambitions I have big desires I want to see big change but of course I have limitations and just that humanity and frankly humility that I've needed to extend to myself and say I'm not going to take all of this on how can I be realistic about that so I think some of the some of those symptoms or warning signs will they'll be different for each person but for me, I'll maybe just speak for myself, I know that when I am in that kind of, I am superwoman, I can do all of this, that that mentality for me is actually a symbol and a, a symptom that I'm about to crash and burn. So when I try to do more and kind of have people around for dinner and extend, you know, have phone calls every night as well as through the day and all the things are kind of added into my schedule because I just somehow believe in that moment I have that extra capacity, that's, I now know that's me overstacking everything and I need to step right back because it's a sign that I'm about to tip <laughs> over the mm, edge. Oh, it's a tough one, tough right, one because right. that urge is so strong though. How do you resist that? How do you make yourself find a sustainable pace rather than overstacking? I think it's I think it's having been around that loop quite a few times and um, in various relationships with people that I've worked with and collaborated with and really seen that and experienced that and then with leaders that I've coached seeing, okay, how do we just get wiser knowing ourselves for me it's about getting into my body more less focusing on just the head stuff but noticing what our bodies give us so much day to day to day and I've had to learn how to really listen to that um, as a woman later in my life to say oh actually there's there's some little tweaks and signs here that I can slow down that I can do this differently that I can pace myself differently um, I, I feel like that's been a long learning it's not been a quick quick realization for me <laughs> mm. it's, it's so curious though how so mm. much of our learning comes from actually crashing from hitting the rock bottom or maybe not even the rock bottom but making the mistakes and going around the bend a couple of times and it just that gives us wisdom that you know I did right. this before this is the result I got how do I create something that's more workable for me because when I did that 
it wasn't workable. And I guess as you have the benefit of witnessing that both in yourself and witnessing it in others that you guide. Yeah, and and feedback from other people. So when our loved ones, when our friends, when our partners are saying to us, "Mm, actually, hello, (laughs) do you want to rethink this? And I'm learning to listen again to that as well. There's wisdom from from those around us. I, I've, I came across a beautiful quote today, which just jumped into my mind now when you shared that about wisdom, but it's from Robert Lee. And he says, wisdom is healed pain. And that really struck me again when you just shared that. Mm. Now it's like, okay, yeah, there's wisdom that comes to us when we go through adversity and when we when we learn from it like that's the piece isn't Mm -hmm. it is like what can I do differently now or how can I um pick myself up and move forward but but not just in the same with the same blinkers on what else do I now know about myself and so how might I make a change and it seems to me that that's where wisdom comes when there's you know perhaps there's been some pain that helps us get that growth and I'm Mm -hmm. really not saying therefore you know pain is great because it helps us get wiser that's not at all what I'm saying but there's something in that healing process that that's where our deeper wisdom comes. Yes, definitely. And, and listeners who've uh, also listened to the Susie Redding episode I did around self-care for tough times know that we've talked about post-traumatic growth, right. that when we go through something traumatic, actually the act of facing those adversities and coping with it and getting through it and healing it is very much, you know, it's, it's a researched um, concept that we actually can have some growth and healing uh, post a traumatic experience. And I guess that brings us into, you know, the the royal shit show that the last year has been for all of us. So speak mm-hmm. of, of healing from painful things. I guess, you know, we've been through these tough times now and it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely not over yet in any means. And I know you've, um, after snooping around your website, um, I know that you offer some sort of corona calm, talking about resilience. How how can resilience help us in these difficult times? Yeah, this feels so present, doesn't it, for, for us? And, and again, the stepping up bit for me is is that too. How do we step up to who we need to be in these times for our communities, for our families, for those close to us, for the organizations, businesses we run, etc. So for me, resilience is it's spiritual, mental, physical, it's all those different parts of us, psychological, they're all interconnected. And we need to find ways to bring health into all those parts of ourselves. And that sounds a bit woolly, but what I, I talk a lot about power practices and they, these for me are just really small ways and small things we can do every day that build some muscles for ourselves around our own self-care and around our own well-being. So it's not like have a bath and have a facial, but it's things that help uh, mental habits and psychological habits that also then affect us spiritually, emotionally, physically. So those pieces help and and I'm happy to share more about that. I think there's yeah. al- there's also um, thinking about these times at the moment, there's another phrase that's really helped me understand some of this or do some sense making with this that we're all in the same storm, but different boats. And there's something for me about the privilege that we each carry. I'm aware that I hold a huge amount of privilege and that that's helped me to navigate these these months. I'm just going to be really honest about that. And, you know, mm. if, I, if I'm getting food from the food bank or I'm getting food from a full fridge, that's a really different situation just now, isn't it? If my job is under threat or if my job is looking more secure, that provides a different set of circumstances. So some of this is about our, the external world and the sort of systemic pieces that we're part of too. Mm. And of course, there's that inner work piece as well, which we were touching on. Um, there's, there's work we can all do to help our own resilience. And I guess I'm just acknowledging there's a systemic part um, that affects 
our individual resilience as well. I just want to really, yeah, I want to acknowledge that that seems important to you. It really is important because it helps us to understand that we're coming at this from different starting points. Right. And so funny that you bring this up because the, the last uh, solo episode I released um, was uh, called Treating Yourself as You Would a Friend. And I talk about this metaphor around the being on the same stormy seas with, with different boats. Okay. And I really, really agree with you. So it's so mm. funny that I only, clearly only invite like-minded people onto my <laughs> podcast. But it's, it's a powerful one because mm. when we think about that, it's not just well, actually, what is wrong with me? Why aren't I coping with this? Um, I, I should be coping better, but actually we know that we all have different boats. So some of us will be better equipped and some of us actually through no fault of our own will engage in some self-sabotage that even drills holes in your boat. Right. So that's something that's really a powerful concept for me when I work with high-striving, ambitious people because they're often very kind to others and can understand with empathy and, and validation why other people are struggling in their boats but they would struggle so much to understand why their own boat is also being rocked. And I wonder with the wisdom you have of, you know, a thousand leaders that I'm sure, you know, having seen a lot of people on, on the verge of burnout, what's, what's the kind of patterns you've seen and how people relate to themselves? What do you see as a pattern of, of in terms of like inner critical voices or the, the what well, I'm struggling to formulate my question because I'm so passionate about this, I suppose, <laughs> but it's, I just wanted to pick your brains and what have you seen as a pattern in these leaders and how they differ in their ways of relating to themselves? It's mm, a brilliant question. I'm thinking deeply on it and I'm, I'm so struck by your example there and your, your, your reflection around the boats and, and how we might kind of sabotage our own boat. I think that really resonates and that, that need for self-compassion. And I think that's such an undervalued and underrated skill actually for leaders and mm. the, the and, and hence I talk about developing muscles in this so how do we get really good at noticing our inner dialogue and get really good at at characterizing it and understanding um, where it's coming from and you talked about that inner critic that kind of harsh inner voice I know you, you talk a lot about this and that sense of how can I select and choose and be kind in my own the way that I speak to myself that sort of self-compassion is such a we're not really taught how to do that are we I think as we're growing up and so I think that's a real unlearning and relearning for us and I see that as a as a huge consistent pattern for people there's a real harshness towards ourselves which we may not extend to others so yeah the skills around self-compassion I think is so 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 important and of course then it increases our empathy for others as well so there's that wonderful ripple out that can come from that too there's inner work around what's going on inside me what what am I saying to myself how am I enabling myself to be at my best how does my inner critic potentially undermine that and those skills we've talked about around self-compassion I also think there's so much about who we perhaps using the boat analogy who we have in our boat or who what help we extend to other boats so who do we have in our wider network and I often talk with people about who are the you know who are the if you like five people around you who you are spending most of your time with and through this last year of course that's changed with so much more working from home and perhaps having less interaction than we previously had or interaction with different people and I often talk about what what's the diversity of that mix for us and how much does that bring different perspective and bring different understanding different awareness different support different accountability so I see a lot of leaders being quite isolated at times and quite isolated in those places of you know close to burnout or tipping into burnout so I guess my encouragement 
for your listeners might be around who who's in your corner who else are you pulling in to share and perhaps be vulnerable around where you're at and and how you're feeling and also offer that support and accountability to others so yeah something in there about who who else we connect with and who else we, we're not we're not designed to do this on our own and um I think historically that's been the model of leadership which is presented as good <laughs> for us and mm. and yet we can we can co-create something a little bit different and I'm really excited when I see people and a lot of the spaces that I host the mastermind that I host and a lot of the work that I'm involved in in networks is how do we create space for others how do we build connections so that we feel less alone and so that even when we're rocked by the storm, we can ask for help, we can receive help, we can give help to others because all those things are really are really a massive joy boost for us and will boost our well-being. Mm, it's a really powerful um, kind of message there around connection, meaning that there's strength in numbers and, and how we relate to others and the support we're able to get from them and also extend. I think it's a very powerful message you have there that it's not just about us. Um, I think in, in an individualized society in the Western world, it's really hard to remember that, that actually, you know, us boosting the happiness and well-being in others is related to the happiness and well-being in ourselves. Yes. And that's a powerful message that you, you kind of point to with the sense of the systemic picture, the community and, and addressing our privilege. And that was the loop back I was going to make, that when we recognize our own privilege here, it's not about you know, the guilt around that, it's around, okay, how can I be, this is another stepping up piece for me, how can I be ready to share, to give, to extend, to uplift, who else can I make space for? And particularly during these months that are that are really tough for everybody and very specifically, mm. particularly tough for particular people in particular situations, like where can I support? What, what support can I offer? And that's coming from a place of compassion and humility, not a kind of rescuer place, but just this is going to be good for all of us. <laughs> mm, yeah. Absolutely. That is not about a savior complex, but it's also not about some sort of a sense of uh, what I call toxic gratitude. I very strongly believe in gratitude, but I can often see, uh, you know, my highest drivers use gratitude as, a, as another stick to beat themselves with, mm. you know, but at least I have a roof on my head and I shouldn't complain. And, you know, what have I got to moan about? Because I have all of these these fortunes where there are other people struggling more than me, you know, coming back to the different boats. So, and I guess that doesn't facilitate action taking. It doesn't help us to step up for others. It keeps us blocked yes. in, in shame and guilt. And we, we then are inactive and we were passive and we don't do anything to to help to um, break that privilege and, and help lift other people up yeah good spot <laughs> but so yeah I think we digressed a little bit but uh, <laughs> I think we could talk about corona calm and whatever that might look like for a long time but I guess one of the things I also think about in this in this podcast is not just letting my guests shine by giving me valuable content, you know, things that are worlds of wisdom for others, but also thinking about reaching in, um, thinking about yourself. So I ask um, my guests around how they find pause, how they find purpose and how they find play. So I wonder... What about you, Katie? You know, you've achieved a lot in your business. Clearly, I mean, we just we just racked up that amazing achievement. Now, the the number of leaders you've supported. How do you strike a balance? How do you switch off and find rest and recovery? You know, how do you give yourself the permission to pause? Or if you struggle with doing that, what do you notice gets in the way and trips you up? So, again, great question. 
it is a daily choice, I would say. And back to what we said earlier about about nurturing our own resilience so that we can step up and be the leaders that we want to be. I've I've learned that I need these regular practices in my life. So when I said earlier that I've, I've flirted on the edges of burnout many, many times, I've developed these power practices to support me in those times. And it's now things that I share with my clients. But those daily pieces that I choose to do are the things actually that ground me every day and help me to to decide what I'm going to focus on in my business and decide how to kind of manage my energy. So I'll maybe just share one example. Um, we talked about a gratitude practice, so I'll, I'll, I'll maybe pass on that one. Um, but for me in the morning, whatever our mornings are like, and again, our mornings can be super different depending on our different circumstances, but a moment to move our bodies, a moment to look at the sky, however much of the sky we can see when we're working from home or based at home, and a moment to set intentions for the day ahead. So for me, that is that is a pause point. That's before I look at email, it's before I look at any of my social channels, before I go to anything that any might be someone else's demands on me or someone else's requests for my attention. I'm giving attention inwards and kind of outwards to nature and um, into that kind of wider spiritual place for me around like what's important to me today where am I going to focus how do I want to show up and that moment of pause sometimes it's quiet you know in the dark in a meditation space sometimes it's while I'm in the shower because that's the reality that morning sometimes it's if I get a walk in the morning sometimes it's after the kids have gone to school it really depends on the hustle bustle of the day and what's going on but that moment of pause every morning is really a grounding for me. I love that you make this so realistic and, and something that is accessible that we all can use because sometimes sometimes some of these recommended practices can be very lofty in their aspirations. You know, you know, start your day with an hour of seated still meditation, <laughs> which doesn't necessarily work for people who have young children, for instance. You know, I don't have an hour of stillness in the morning. So I love that you make it accessible so we can all run with this. You know, most of us can take a moment to gaze out in the, uh, up to the sky. Most of us can take a few deep breaths. And this is some of the things I found so powerful when I attended your masterclass. Uh, I think there might've been in you know, early points of the lockdown, yes. like April or something. And I found that really helpful as a way to kind of think about beating that overwhelm as, as a phrase that you often use of how we can sort of ground ourselves and pause and find that stillness in a realistic way so i would love it if you could share another one of your your power practices sure so these are the three questions that i ask in the morning and you could ask this any time of the day but for me it works in the morning and it's how do i want to feel today so name one or several emotions how do i want to feel so i want to feel expansive i want to feel joy i want to feel calm i want to feel patient with my kids whatever it might be Second question, how do I want to show up today? So that's about how do I want to be? How do I want to lead with my people, with my team, with my clients, with my coworkers, whatever it may be? So it could be something like I want to be clear when I'm giving that presentation or I want to be creative when I'm designing that new product or whatever it might be. And then third question, what's one thing that I want to progress today? And that helps me when there's a lot of things on the to-do list or when things are very soupy and time is all a bit fluid and perhaps there isn't, there is less in the diary, but there's, there's work to do from home. That question really helps bring focus. And it's just one thing that is going to help me move towards the goals I've set myself for this year. Again, a very emergent, fluid year, but there are still goals. There are still things that we care about. There are still 
there's still a life we want to create and a difference that we want to make. So what's one thing today that will help me progress towards that? And that word progress or progress um, rather than complete is also really important in the language that we use because when we want to complete something, it can feel really overwhelming if that thing's actually really big. Whereas if we just say, what's one thing I want to progress? It could be a tiny action that takes me forward, but I, I've, I've still moved forward. It's better that I've done that one small thing than I've done nothing. So those three questions, how do I want to feel? How do I want to show up? How do I want to progress? I do that every day. And like I say, sometimes it's in the shower. Sometimes it is quietly journaling, you know, with time and pen and paper. Sometimes it is taking a walk, but it sometimes it's while I'm making my drink in the morning, whatever it is. But those three questions are almost like a rhythm that bring me back to what's really important to me today. And if you feel off at any point in the day, which again, let's face it, we all do regularly at the moment. I choose to just come back to that. How did I want to feel today? Let me remind myself. Oh, yes, I wanted to feel calm. I wanted to feel expansive. I wanted to feel excited. Right. Okay. let's come back to that. So that that one practice that morning, which takes a few minutes, has really changed how I can navigate (laughs) these up and down months and up and down days. That's really supported me. Mm, That's really, really powerful because it's so simple. We can do it whenever and wherever, but also that you bring in in the aspect of goals that we, it's still okay to set goals. It's still okay to have aspirations, even when we go through hard times, we just have to soften and make them much more realistic. And it's, you know, it's okay to have some sort of aim or intention for the day, but, you know, obviously just to kind of clarify to the listeners who might feel really overwhelmed right now and think that even asking ourselves three questions can feel too much. So, you know, it's okay, we'll start with one of them. You know, this week I will ask myself that one question that Katie mentioned. We, it is okay to break things down into smaller steps. And like you're really emphasizing there, it's about making the progress rather than making it perfect and, and all complete because nothing is perfect and all complete. It's yes. all work in progress. So I really like that message that you do you bring out to people that it's, it's, it's okay to not have it all figured out. There's a piece here, isn't there, about all of us being able to lower our expectations when there is a lot of transition going on or there's a lot of adversity or there's just a lot of ups and downs and things may feel less solid. I think we can, we can run with very high expectations on ourselves back to that, that harsh inner critic that we talked about earlier. And I'd love to just offer myself and others permission to just say, you know, we can lower, we can lower our expectations here. We can, we can be a little bit gentler with ourselves and with one another. And it just brings an ease actually and a bit of like, whew, let's just release some of that. And then there's just a little bit more space. I'll tell you a story. This morning, I looked at my diary and realized that I was feeling really compressed and um, didn't didn't feel particularly energized. And I just was in that zone of like, right, I'll just push through. And I had that moment of like, well, what would it be like if I just postponed some things or called that person and said, it's going to happen next week, not this week? Or what could I do right now just to create a little bit more space in my day? And I chose two things from my day that I could move. And I just sent the emails, left the voice notes, and both people replied back really positively. It's completely fine in the relationship. There's no issue. And I've created space in my day. And guess what? Immediately, I'm lighter. I feel more energized about everything else that I'm doing today. And I think we often have more wriggle room than we perhaps think we do. And just that asking for support, asking for a little bit more space from others, if you're relating to a boss or a colleague or whoever that might be, Again, it's about extending that compassion and modeling that to others to say, you know, it's okay if we shift our deadlines right now. 
I see a lot, this is back to your question earlier about what patterns I see in leaders. I see a lot of businesses really still driving people very, very hard and the expectations of delivery being exponentially high despite the global pandemic, despite everything else going on in the world. And one of the things I'd love to say to, to, to senior people right now is we can all just lower some expectations and the world is not going to collapse. In fact, in fact, we might just create more space and find more innovation and find more joy and energy for the things that we are doing, which guess what will then enable us to do that even better. Or we may just recover a little bit. We may just find a space to rest, which is super important because people are exhausted. People are super, super tired. I know that's a huge generalization, but most people I'm speaking to right now are tired and yeah, we can, we can, we don't have to keep going at a relentless pace. We can make some choice to have some choices around that. Yes. And it's so powerful to consider that if that permission to pause, permission to rest, because we are tired. And that's what happens when our bodies have been running on mm-hmm. adrenaline for a long period of time. And I imagine that, you know, seeing that in your senior leaders, that how they have been running on adrenaline, there's been huge threats to businesses, you know, people have been laid off, people losing their, you know, losing revenue streams, there's, there's a lot of things going on in businesses. So no wonder that senior leaders would panic and perhaps mm. start to lead from a place of threat and anxiety and panic rather than leading from a place of compassion and caring. Uh, it's, it's just only understandable, but you know, but the buck starts with them, it's going to be really, really hard for for staff and employees to to be kinder to themselves if the leaders aren't you know have you seen anything around that or how sort of the ripple effects of of the inner work any leader would do and how that ripples out to the the employees i saw a wonderful thing this week about some out of office autoresponders and encouraging leaders to share that with their teams and it's in it's it you of course can phrase it however you like but the idea being that I may not be um out of office but I have this response on my email which says something like at the moment I'm in lockdown I'm homeschooling my child I'm dealing with the the impact of a global pandemic um as a person of color or as a person from a minority background there's an impact with the election going on right now whatever it is politically going on or socially going on that that's just named and that people can say so thank you for your grace and patience my email response may take a little bit longer than usual and just that was an example where leaders can encourage people to say let's have some grace in the system here let's give each other a bit of a break in the system so that would be one one example that I've seen recently, which I really loved. I do love that. I do love that. I've got lots of responses from my clients over the years of the fact that I have, have a uh, an autoresponder on all the time, not mm-hmm. just when I'm out of the office, but just to clarify, because I work part-time, you know, obviously when you're a business owner, this never, never feels like part-time, is it? But on Mondays, it's my non-working day and I'm with my child. And yes. I just have that honest, realistic expectation for other people, what can you expect from me? Uh, what can I deliver? And what can I not deliver? And I think that's really powerful, not just for the people who I serve and my clients, but also for my associate who works for me that actually, you know, what, I'm not expecting you to do this either. Yes. I'm hoping for you to start to prioritize self care the way that I've learned to do the hard way from having experienced burnout. It's, it's really, really powerful when we lead with example of using that wisdom, like we said again, the wisdom of having been around the block a couple of times 
and thinking, let's teach others who, before they have to get to that point. And here's a boundary that I'm setting too, isn't it? You know, that's just that example of the autoresponder. There's a boundary saying, this is what you can expect from me. That's a really healthy, clear, it, yeah, that's incredibly clarifying for people around you. I think it's very powerful. Mm. So exciting stuff that we come up with here. There's loads of things to think about. And I guess we've already talked a little bit about sort of utilizing people's potential and, and you know, their sense of passion and, and helping people step up to follow that passion. But is there any other way that you work with, with people's purpose, you know, helping them to, to do that without burning out? Is there anything else that you want to uh, teach the listeners about purpose? Yeah, I wanted to come back to something earlier, actually, we talked about setting intentions in in the morning and that small practice of connecting with our goals. And so, so two questions that have been really clarifying for me, what's the story that I want to be telling myself about my life in six months time? So you can ask that for yourself and you can write that down. You can think about what you what you want your life to be looking like in six months time and have that as a, a visualization, have that as a visual image, have that as words on a page, however you want to use that as a way of setting a course and a direction. So even when the world and, and the context that we're in might feel bumpy at times or might feel quite uncertain, we have a sense of like, what's that compass point? What's that North Star? And then the, another aspect that I would add in is a question around what's what's my dream life in six months time? And that's not to be overly aspirational or um, that there's a kind of realism with that. But what does that look like in six months time for me to be feeling the way that I want to feel? And then what's the dream difference that I want to be making? So I'm feeling the way that I want to feel and I'm making the difference that I want to make, a contribution that I want to make. What does that look like? And when we have a sense of that, for ourselves in the future, we can just be course correcting a little bit and checking in with that regularly. Of course, there may be things that we're doing right now that don't particularly fit into that. But over time, we can start to say yes, more and more to those things that will enable us to build the life that we want to create and be making the difference that we want to make. And it, it that is still a daily practice. It's not just right there, it is on my vision board. And now I've done it. It's a daily practice to connect with that and to uh, reconnect with it and make make changes where we need. The practice, the daily practice that then goes with that is that it's actually something that I, I do at the end of a week. So for me, the end of my week is a Friday and it'll be different for different people. But for me on a Friday afternoon, I look back at my week and we talked about small things that we can progress towards our goals. And so at the end of a week, I just note down for myself and it's literally on a small square post. It's not a big piece of paper. I just write down what are the small things that I've done this week that have helped me progress. And sometimes it's just, I sent that email I reached out to that person. I um, did that bit of accounting, whatever it is, small things that are helping me progress towards my dream life and the dream difference that I want to make, the, the life I want to create and the difference that I want to make. And I just take a note of that. And that moment of recognizing the progress and just having a moment to say, this is great, well done me, just acknowledge it and celebrate it is so, so powerful. And again, builds up over weeks and weeks and months and months. I now have a clear wallet where I keep those little post-it notes in and I now have probably two years worth of post-its in there. So if I ever feel, what am I doing? Who am I? What am I building? Or if I have an off day, I can look. I don't even need to read them. I can just look at that wallet and go look at all the progress I've made. And that can just help me feel less alone and feel like, I yes, I can build momentum and I can move towards my goals and, and towards my purpose. So 
again, a useful practice for helping us kind of keep going, really. Mm, I love that. It's very powerful because it's visual as well. You can yes. see the weight of the wallet after a while. <laughs> yes. I've got something similar, but it's, I call it my box of wicked winds. Wonderful. It's a little box that I, I stick things in. Like it can be everything from a flyer, from an event I ran, even if hardly anyone came to it, I created it. It's I created beautiful. the flyer and I created the event. So it goes in the box, regardless of, of how many people turned out. And I think it's it relates back to um, a conversation I've had with a, a coach called Nikki Raby in the very beginning of this podcast around sort of finding your version of success. That what what is you know what is success to yes. you? How you know meeting that goal of oh actually I did I did send that email or I, you know I did do that bit of accounting. All the best that we we avoided. I often talk to my clients about that who completely diminish their own progress, mm-hmm. don't appreciate their own successes because it feels like, well, that was easy or other people would have done that quickly or it only took me a minute once I did it, but I avoided it for six months. And I think that's it's about how you approach hard things that that counts for success. You know, you overcame something that was challenging to you. It doesn't really matter if it's challenging to someone else. It was to you because it's all rele- relevant to our own boundaries, our own circumstances, yes. isn't it? So and I love that idea. It and celebrating it and and noticing it, that's, you know, we know from the neuroscience, don't we, that that's what's really powerful then in creating the belief that we can overcome obstacles in the future and that we can move towards our goals that that self-belief can then come so powerfully from that yeah absolutely that leads to us thinking that we are more capable than we might give ourselves credit for so I love that and I'm sure I could ask you a million questions around purpose but we're gonna come towards the end of the podcast and think a little bit about play which is I have noticed as a tendency with people who who I work with who might be quite cerebral people are quite uh, up in their head and I've noticed that as a theme on the podcast so far that I get far more on the pause and on the purpose than I do on the play so I'm going to push you gently now for, for me to hear a bit about what you might do to find play you know innovation or creativity play doesn't just have to be sort of a sense of silliness and letting go and feeling free but it's it's also about you know creating things or um using that side of of ourselves that is maybe less serious what would you do to play katie i'm laughing to myself because i also noticed that that this is the piece where I feel like I just have less to say. So that is really mm-hmm. interesting, isn't it? I just, I'm just really noticing that. Um, so for me, again, I, I, I noticed that I want to say to you, well, my practices are about finding joy. And then I was thinking, well, actually joy is different to play. So joy is really important to me. It's a really strong value that I can find joy every day um, and a practice of, of spotting beauty. So I talk about beauty spotting. Can I find beauty every day despite what's going on? And that's a visual thing for me. And so I, I get a lot of pleasure from that. And then I was thinking, is that the same as play? And so pushing myself to think about play would be a space for me of um, singing and music and dance and movement. So that kind of connecting with my body and being in, a, as you said, much less cerebral place, uh, much more intuitive and fluid place in terms of of movement and and finding fun in music, and yeah, that's probably my space. Being outside, breathing fresh air. I live close to a hill where I can walk, which is a massive joy. And again, that's not play, but that's definitely pleasure for me. So, I'm you've got me thinking. <laughs> mm, so then I encourage you. I've got a little challenge yeah, for you. Please. That the next time you go on that hill. You raise your arms and you run down the hill as fast as you can and go, woo, the whole time. 
right? I'm going to do <laughs> that's, it. I'm going to do yeah, it. That's <laughs> just, I love coming up with these little things that people can do that loosens up yes. that sense of being rule governed or following strict ways of how we should, you know, I, I, you know one of my bugbears is the word should. Um, yes. How we should be in our lives. Uh, and I think what I've noticed as a theme as well is that the people who come on the podcast have very good answers for how they find pause and purpose within their work as well as outside of the work. But the play aspect seems to be almost exclusively things that they find in their own personal time. So uh, a lot of people will give examples like playing with their children or, you know, having a dance party, moving around, laughing. But there's not as much of it showing up in our business life. And I find that really fascinating, mm. especially for the people who I've had on the podcast who are uh, entrepreneurs. So, you know, self-employed, controlling their own hours, etc. So I wonder if we can think about that. You having worked with so many leaders, how do we help them play more at work? How can they have more fun, be more silly, be more creative at work, not just in their family time outside? Yeah, because it's that idea, isn't it? Of like, we're going to outsource that and ask you to do that outside of work. We know it brings benefits, but don't bring it into the workplace to go and do it out there. I think mm-hmm. that's, so there's a really brilliant challenge there. And I was thinking that when I'm, when I'm considering a learning experience, so when I'm running workshops or when I'm hosting events or when I'm thinking about how can I engage people in a topic, I do a lot of work around diversity and inclusion. And that's quite a heavy topic in some ways. It's very personal. So how do we engage people in that? I do lots around how do we make it really fun because when it's fun and we're playful there's a and perhaps even there's an element of mischief then there's also some curiosity that's a brilliant state for learning so I'm just really challenged in this conversation that I bring that mindset into what am I creating for others and what environment can I create for others to engage and learn and then the ch- this conversation is challenging me to think and, and where am I bringing that into my daily life so thank you so much for that. Um, I often, <laughs> Sorry to mess with your head. <laughs> it's good, it's good. I often get the feedback um, from our workshops. We often get the feedback, which is like, that was so fun. That felt, you know, we had such fun doing that. Even mm-hmm. though it was this topic X, Y, Z, we had so much fun. And I, I always take that as a real compliment, I think, in the spirit of what you're sharing here, which is we need so much more of that in our lives, that, that loosening up and that willingness to to sort of, not that these are not serious things we're trying to engage with in the world, but that the willingness to just say, what else is here? What else is possible? That kind of possibility thinking that opens up when we can play. I think, yeah, you're getting me thinking now. (laughs) Good, good. I guess we can continue that on for a long time and thinking about how do we bring that in? And Mm. I I definitely reflected that in my own business of the certain things that feel more expansive and playful for me than others. You know, obviously writing a book is about creativity and that's one form of playing with me. I, I play with words on the page, but the the most playful I am is if you catch me on a retreat day because then I get to have the whole day with you. It's not just you coming in an hour and then going again. And, you know, a lot of ambitious people can often come in a state of stress and then sit down and land and then they go off onto their stress. Whereas if I get the, the you know, the pleasure of having someone around for the whole day, I get to really shift. Mm. I get to really move them about and, and move them through the sort of the the aspects of first slowing down and pausing to then connect with a purpose and then lift them up to the surface at the end of that. And I often think of the the metaphor of the of the lotus pod, which is something we use a lot within compassion focused therapy. We think of how the lotus flower, which sort of seems to sit so beautifully on the, you know balanced on the surface of the water, in order for that to grow, uh, the lotus pod needs to sink deep into the mud in the bottom of the pond first, mm. and that's you know basically go down in the shit and really feel the you know feel all the pain 
And once it's done that and soaked up with the nutrients from that painful experience, it will start to rise above the surface. Mm. And that's what we kind of talked about earlier around healing, uh, you know, healing from a painful experience and growing from that. So I think of that as, you know, you can't, we can't leave people just in the mud. We need to let them come up above the surface. Yes, beautiful. I love that. I love that image. So this has been a fantastic experience. Uh, I mean, I've uh, I loved when you uh, when you taught on the on resilience and overwhelm. I found it so helpful, despite being very similar messages to what I deliver. I just found your angle was just beautiful, and it was really inspiring for me. So I'm very glad that I managed to capture you on the on the podcast. Thanks for having and me. The final <laughs> thing. Well, thank you for gracing me with your time. The final thing. I would like to do is something you've kind of already touched upon, you know, a permission or a gift to give the the listeners. Is there anything that you feel you could give them the permission of or any little um, pressure you want to take off them? Yeah. So we've talked about the, you know, here's your permission slip to lower some expectations. And maybe the, the challenge then for the week ahead would be, where could I just let go of some expectations? Where could I make my week easier? And I'm also thinking about that word gift, actually, and I'm wondering about the question, what's the gift for me in this time? So even when there's struggle, there's uncertainty, all the things, what's the gift? And where we go deeper, I'm loving that image of the lotus flower, when we go deeper in our roots, how do we get underneath (laughs) the day-to-day experience and say, well, what might this be teaching me? How might this be enabling me to grow? What's the invitation here? How might I be able to expand? And even when it's tough, what might the gift be? So yeah, perhaps there's two pieces. How can I make this easier? What what expectation can I let go of? And then what's the gift for me in this time? Mm. That there's something to take away yeah. from whatever mud we're in. There's something to take away eventually mm. that will help us to rise above and, and above the surface. So thank you so much, Katie, for, for being here. And for anyone who wants to connect with you and follow the important work that you're doing, where can they find you? I will put all of that in the show notes as well, of course. But where can they find you? At Katie Catalyst on Instagram. Katie Murray on LinkedIn and you can access my Corona Car, my resilience webinar. If you'd like to do that, you can stay in touch. You can get my Catalyst Notes, which is my weekly newsletter. I'd love to stay in touch with you. Fantastic. And I will put your website in there as well for anyone who to, to access those Catalyst Notes. So thank you so much for coming and stay safe and sane in the coming months. Thank you. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of this episode. Katie and I were just bouncing off each other with really like-minded ideas. And that's not really surprising in Cassandra that we, we coach very similar people. Katie is a very big inspiration to me of how she leads her business. If you want more inspiration around how to follow your ambition without drowning in it and helping you take a break before you're at your breaking point, come along to my Pause Purpose Play community on Facebook. All you have to do is to search for Pause Purpose Play in groups or directly on Facebook in finding your group. And then you'll find a lovely crowd of like-minded people who might be, like you, hard on themselves but kind to others. We would love to have you. And as always, just do what you can to take care of yourself. This episode of the Pause Purpose Play podcast was presented by me, Michaela Thomas. And you can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk. 
And because great work rests on having a great team, this episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media.